Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, we're George and James. And this week we're getting pretentious with Hayley Williams' Petals for Armour. How's it going, James? Good. How are you? Good. I finally got round to watching Trigger Warning by Killer Mike. Love that show. I did not expect it to be so real and hilarious all at the same time. Yeah. Have you watched all of it? Have you watched the whole series? Uh, I did it. I did it all in a day. That bit where (laughs) he basically tells the guy... That he's a racist. He's a racist. Oh. But it's true. I can't remember because it's been a while because it came out a while ago. Mm. I can't remember why that actually happens. Why he calls the guy racist. I can't remember what the guy says. Well, he calls the whole room racist. But he calls him a different sort of racist because he's actively... Disagreeing with him. Everyone else in the room is passive to white privilege. Yeah. Therefore, they're passively racist. Whereas the other guy, because I think... Does he start denying that white privilege is a thing? Or... Well, well, no, because he's not... Um, he's mixed race. Right. I can't remember. I think he's Philipp- part Filipino right. or something. But he's actively trying to protect white privilege as if he's he's kind of... It's like he's trying to say that white privilege is good because he can access right. it. And that's why he's kind of like, look, you're being the most racist here just because you're trying to protect white privilege and use it rather than trying to shut down white privilege. Uh, and he gets very arsy. Doesn't he storm out or something? <laughs> the, uh, he goes to... The, yeah. And then the... Uh, so he gets him back though, doesn't he? He gets him back for the for the last episode where he builds his own like And the song, the mashup song. Yeah. Where a a white American man uses the N word in a rap. I might have to go back and watch this again. Yeah. Because I watched it yeah, ages a... ago and I feel like I mean I feel like the a second series needs to be done. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. Um, yeah, Killer Mike's just a really sound guy. He's so charismatic, though, as well. He's just, like, ridiculously yeah. charismatic. Yeah. He's one of those people that just draw you in straight away when he talks. Yeah. Um, he could literally be telling you about the most boring thing in the world. It's and still and you'd be like, yeah, tell me more, Killer Mike. Like, yeah. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah. He's such a good um he's such a good role model for like how to live your life cuz he's he's sensible and he has a good view on life but he still knows how to have fun yeah. and enjoy himself. He's such a good ideal of what a human can be and achieve. Yeah, he's great. He's great. 
But yeah, what else have you been up to? Um, what have I been doing? What have I... Listening, oh, watching... I, I was telling you before we started recording, I, I discovered uh, Tape Notes, the podcast ah, presented yes. by John Kennedy. Uh, not not John mm. Hopkins, as I originally said to you. Yeah, uh, very different. The, each episode he speaks to a different artist and their producer unless they've produced it themselves and they just speak to the artist um and they sort of break down albums and it's interesting because it's it like i was saying to george i listened to the foals one and it's it's almost a shame that the foals one came out after we'd we'd done our podcast because it's kind of it would have been interesting to reference but um what makes it interesting for me is that you don't because i've i've listened to a lot of yanis from Foles interviews so yeah. i hear him say a lot of the same stuff a lot because obviously they they have the sort of answers that they always give and what mm. makes uh tape notes quite good is that they 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 like go back and listen to like the demos and go into the rehearsal recordings Mm. and like break things down they'll like isolate different stems in the tracks so it's you you get more of a behind the scenes look than you would if it was just a sort of regular interview interview yeah um which makes it quite interesting it makes you you know and and like yanis sites like specific gear they use and stuff like that so Mm. you can sort of uh look at them to sort of achieve a similar sound or something so yeah that's that's been quite interesting i've enjoyed that um i mean maybe we'll look at doing a a little spin-off once we're back being able to see each other we can actually do like a little almost a a podcast on that podcast that would be interesting um yeah, I think I think we'll be able to do it once we're back to our usual routine. We'll be able to do a lot more sort of diversions yeah. than. Uh, yeah, you know. it's quite hard to want to do a whole day of work over a FaceTime. Yeah, because usually how we record this is like the first load of episodes we recorded like two or three two or episodes three in, a in a day, and mm. just over over a video chat. It's, it's bit more difficult really it's it's video chats are getting to me at this yeah. point um i was actually talking to a friend um who i haven't seen for a, probably a couple of years now who now lives out in germany and um i was saying like oh we should do a zoom call or something and she sent back she was like i don't think i can <laughs> like i'm so done with yeah. it and i was like fair you just at this point you call somebody on facetime you talk to them for twenty minutes and go. Well, to be honest, that's all we. That's all we have to talk about. At the well, moment. see, George is saying this after at the weekend we had a friendly Zoom <laughs> call with us and a couple of other people, and after about twenty minutes, half an hour, George's curry had arrived. So he was like, "Yeah, I you, go. well, you you sort of did it. I was also hungover. you did it. You did it in a way that was like, oh." uh, when's everyone else free uh this like what's everyone's (laughs) availability like this week and it was like why he's like because i want to go eat my curry and just (laughs) yeah um so this week we're talking about 
Hayley Williams of Paramore fame and her new solo record. Triple EP. Triple EP. Petals for Armour. For Armour. Good album title. Yeah, it is a good album title. I really yeah. like it. I, just, I didn't really get it at first. I was just like, oh yeah, Petals for Armour. Yeah, yeah. cool. It's another album. Now I'm like, oh, actually, no, that is a really smart album cover. And a smart, as we will probably discuss, a lot of, like, the music videos and all that Mm. kind of stuff has been very smart as well. Very well thought out. Well. Well. Well, we'll get into it. But, like, first impressions, because we're talking about pretty much the main person of Paramore here. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a cheeky bit of Paramore. <laughs> but more from when I'm 16, 15, 16, not, not at 24, 25. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never I, really been into Paramore, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's because I was spending a lot of time listening to Kasabian. Um, True. Um, Did you expect a Paramore album, but with Hayley Williams? Yes. And I yeah. will say, few of the tracks do sort of fit into that off the bat for yeah, me. Fair. But when you played me Simmer, which was the opening the track... One on the first EP. Yeah. I was... Is Blown Away too strong? No, I don't think it is. No, I, I was I blown, was blown away. away that the lead singer of Paramore and sort of the main... I, I feel like, is she the sort of... The, I don't know much about Paramore. I will confess that now. But is she sort of the main writing force behind Paramore as well? I think it's her and the guitarist. Okay. Um, because I think the drummer's changed and the bassist has changed a right. lot. Um, but the but yeah, is she's most of the songwriting. The, f- the fact that she had made that song, and actually that sort of first whole EP, mm. I was yeah very impressed. So we've got by. Simmer, Leave It Alone, Cinnamon, Creeping, Sudden Desire. That was the first one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Sudden Desire is the only one that really verges on a bit of Paramore for me. Like, the chorus is quite Paramore-y. Um, but, uh, but I think that's only because she sounds mm. like the singer from Paramore because she is the singer from Paramore. So yeah. when she really goes belty like she does in Sudden Desire, yeah, that that's... Sa- it sounds like that Paramore thing, yeah. because that's what a Paramore song sounds like. And it's Hayley Williams. And it's Hayley Williams, so it is going to sound like that. I tell you what, though, the production on her voice for this whole album, oh, if I I want to know what she, what compressors and mics she's I mean, used because it's so. I think to be fair, the the um, the production on the album in general, yeah. But just for me, her voice really stood out on this. Just it's so intimate, but powerful. Yeah. Like the 
the dynamic change and even sudden desire in that chorus, she's doing that whole kind of sudden desire, really whispery. And then she just comes out with this sudden desire and it just blasts out, but it still all feels really close and it's in the same proximity, but the power, there's still power, but dexterity and subtlety to it. I don't know how she dies. Similar to kind of how Billie Eilish sounds on her records. Mm. Just that being able to sound so close, but powerful all at the same they time. Um, so the first impressions was like... Yeah. We're like, My like, G- like Jesus. <laughs> this is... How's and this I remember happened? going... Uh, I remember I remember saying to someone, um, have you heard Hayley Williams's new song? And they were like, Who's Hayley Williams? I went, the lead singer of Paramore. Singer. And they went, Oh <laughs> I went, No, listen to it. And they put it on and their face just changed. As soon as they heard that that it's the it's the the way the I'm bass sorry. and the the drums sound at the start of Simmer. Yeah, that kind of. Well, the drums are very. The, again, production, yeah. panning on the drums. You've got these little kind of poppy toms and timpani, not timpani, like um, percussion, just like all over the place. Yeah. But then you've got the bass just doing this boom, 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 boom. It, it's got drive, but it's scatty. Yeah. And then you got all of these little vocal things going all over the place. It's so subtle, but well thought out. It's yeah, but, yeah. I mean, to me, it Simmer is the standout song on the album for me. That it's it's also so far detached from what I would expect from a Paramore track. Yeah, because like Paramore is. It's good songs, like good pop songs that are just guitars, drums, bass yeah. and vocals playing all the time. It's the the dynamic range of Paramore is everyone's playing or no one's yeah. playing. Whereas this is suddenly all the dynamic range you, you could want from a song I've, straight yeah, away. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, restraint shown as well. Yeah. Um, like, I, like you said, I think of Paramore and I think quite either we're going quite delicate into loud, delicate into loud. Yeah. This is like, it's, it's on off. Yeah. yeah. And and this is that it's, it's rare in this album that she decides to like really push it. Mm. Like sudden desire really is the first time you hear her like belt. And I think that's why I don't mind it. Although it feels, I get what you mean by it, it feels slightly paramory. But I don't mind it because you haven't had it yet. So it actually has the power. Yeah. But if you put Sun Desire next to a load of other paramore songs, you'd be just like, eh. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm a bit done with this now. Um, and that's why I think, like, incredible restraint. For the first EP, it was like... 
you, you go from simmer, which has this driving sort of bass and percussion idea going on. And then yeah. leave it alone is a very slow. You bring it straight down. Yeah. Almost like a ballad sort of the bass still featuring very heavily. I love what the bass is doing mm. on this record a lot because it's just, I feel like it's, again, I, I feel like it's um, restrained, but, yeah, but, doing all the right things it's like it's not it i definitely yeah i can you can hear a big difference like a paramour song sounds like some chords written oh james has got another birthday delivery circus in it it's quite exciting but it is interrupting the flow of podcasts yeah god calm calm down yeah, um, like, I mean, this isn't just for Paramore, but for a lot of indie songs, it it often sounds like a bunch of chords, whether it be on guitar or piano, you then chuck a load of ideas at it, and then you kind of whittle it down a bit from yeah. there. This sounds more like Hayley Williams writing some lyrics, going to a bassist or just somebody... And being like, all right, this is what the song is going to be. Let's build it up layer upon layer. Let's not worry about chords. Let's worry about the actual emotion and vibe of the song rather than getting good chords down. Because, I mean, I I don't even know if Leave It Alone actually has chords, really. I mean, there's actually no harmony instrument until um about one and a half minutes in yeah. you get I think it sounds like two cellos bowing basically just a power chord but but that's what I mean it's it's so it's such a great example of 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 like showing restraint and just like we've talked before mm. about keeping things simple like um we've talked about Taylor Swift like blank space the fact that that actually yeah. you listen to blank space, there's not a huge amount going on. You got like six instruments at tops, uh, and this feels a little bit more like maybe like Peter Gabriel in the respect of like um, I think about a song like Mercy Street, which is actually quite stripped mm. back, and there's not a lot going on, but because of the sort of percussion layers he puts in. Yeah. Um it feels there's enough to keep your attention um but without feeling busy or like like everything's being yeah. thrown at the track. It's still leaving room for the story of the song to mm. And I t- I tell you what though, it's a long album. It is long. It's 15 tracks. And initially, when we were going to talk about this album, I was trying to listen, because obviously I'd listened to this first EP, the second EP with Dead Horse, uh, Roses, Lotus, Violet Iris. Um, And I liked those two. And every time I kept listening from Simmer, trying to get all the way through all of the songs, all the way to Crystal Clear, um, 
And I just couldn't, like, by the time I got to the end, I was tired. Yeah. Like, Agreed. However much I, I do like her voice, I do find it tiring. And it's also quite a slow album. Not a bad, not bad slow, but it ebbs and wanes in mood. Yeah. So it takes you on quite a journey. But I then decided to listen to the third EP, so Pure Love to Crystal Clear. I listened to that on its own. Yeah. And then I gave it like half an hour. I then listened to the second one with Dead Horse. And then the first one with Simmer and that. And like gave myself, because of the way it's been broken up into the EPs, actually allowed me to enjoy it more. It actually, I could put the album down and kind of know where it left off sort of thing. Yeah. I really like that. I think, um, and it's something we'll talk about a little bit as well in the next episode when we talk about Jack Garrett, but what do you think of this approach? Because the Jack Garrett album that we're talking about in the next episode is similarly mm. broken up into EPs. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this think... trend that may be starting to happen? We probably might see it more. I think it's... Because the Jack Garrett one's going to... It's different. That's that's a, a B, C, D side. Yeah. This is a... Three EPs. This is a three EPs. Yeah. I, and I don't... I don't know how you would... Would you break this up into three vinyls, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'd be a triple LP, sort of. Like three L, three EPs. Because this feels like three EPs. Yeah. Which I like. Does it feel like a complete album to you? If you were judging it on the on the basis of as, as an album. I think I'd judge it... If I'm judging it as an album, it's too long. Yeah. And there's too much going on. Yeah. But I would say the same about Foles if it was just everything not saved would be lost. Yeah. If you had all 20 of those songs on one album, too long. Yeah. But breaking up into two parts made it good. And I think the same goes for this. Actually allowing the listener to accept five songs, absorb them, and each one evolves upon the last one. It They're all petals for armor, but they're all different approaches to the same topic. Yeah. So they do all, they work as a concept, but it's not a concept album. It's a concept EP collection instead i mean not to go back to star wars again but it's like the whole that is it's the skywalker saga yeah so it's although they're films they all fit together but there is periods of time in between each that you can actually separate yeah them. and you can separate them into their three trilogies inside the yeah yeah and it's like we don't bother with the hobbit anymore but we do still like the lord of the rings yeah but they're still part of the same universe. Yeah. I think it's something that I don't, I mean, has it even been 
really done to the way Hayley Williams has done it before. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure maybe somewhere it has, but not that I'm aware of. It Does it leave you a little bit flat when the eventual whole thing is put in one album? Um, mm. Like, does it detract actually... from the like end release if you see what i mean you see yeah there's i because i just i've got it up on spotify now and obviously up towards the release you had petals for armor part one petals for armor part two well actually no you didn't so it was initially petals for armor part one with simmer being released as a single you then had her releasing uh it was roses lotus violet iris and then she started releasing each song off the second ep kind of like every fortnight until you had the whole ep together and then those singles kind of collapsed down within spotify into pebbles for armor part two then when the album came out it was basically the last five tracks their own little EP absorbed into the Petals for Armour album. And now you don't actually have the EPs as individuals on Spotify. No. I don't know how I feel about that. Because each each section feels like a different mood to me. Yeah. So... Yeah, because I know you because you can go into it and play it, but yeah. because uh, EP one feels it's got this dark brooding quality, just like Simmer alone. It's just like it's got this, yeah, um, and and the videos which we'll get to later mm. have that sort of quality. Um, it feels like a mood set. It's introduce. It's welcoming you in. And getting you ready to kind of open yourself up. I'm not sure how I can describe EP two off the top of my head, but then EP three feels very up for me almost. I mean, I think this comes across in the video a bit, which we can go into more detail. But for me, like especially with the title "Petals for Armor." The first EP is kind of like it's it's growing out of the ground. It's you're you're watching it kind of slowly burst its way into life, especially with tracks like Cinnamon and Sudden Desire, pushing them towards the end of the EP. It's the kind of birth of the album. Yeah. You then go into the second one where you've kind of been now welcomed into the flower. And into inside her armor, and it, it's quite, especially like Rose's Lotus Violet Iris. I think it's over yet as well. It's it's quite personal, yeah. So you kind of been welcomed in, and then the third ones are kind of almost like a party, I guess. Yeah, and I almost feel like it gets a little bit more paramour the more we go on. Yeah, a- it gets. It's got the kind of Paramore, but with a disco vibe, yeah. like their last album. Um, and which, which which I think is why it sort of slowly, if I listen to it as a whole, 
it yeah. slowly loses me because I, to me, like the first EP is so. Like I'd go as far as to say the first EP is one of the best things that's come out. Did it come out this year? I feel like it must have. Yeah. Or at the end yeah. of last year. But anyway, um, regardless. It came out, yeah, February 2020. So, yeah. Like that first EP, it almost like if she'd have left it there, it would be the best, like one of the best things that's come out this year, I think. Um, and mm. like one of the best surprises of the year. Um and I was I was excited to hear more. And then I the think more there could have been heard, more time as yeah, well. I think she could have really dragged it out over the course of a year. Actually, if she had released the first EP, so I would, what I would have, if I was the the label exec in this product, I would say release Simmer as a single, yeah. release the EP. Then release Cinnamon as a single, and then release the music video film, and do that spread out over like three or four months. Then release Dead Horse and maybe Roses Lotus Violet Iris, or maybe Over Yet as two singles within the EP, and then do the film sort of thing for that. And literally kind of start in January and not release all of it until by like December. Yeah. And kind of take two singles off each EP, turn each one into a concepty film. And she could have still done all of her lyric videos with her personal life and stuff while doing that. And I think I'd have actually been more excited. Stuff almost came too quickly. Yeah. There wasn't enough build up really. There wasn't enough, like, she, she she put the first one out and it was it was so exciting because it was so unexpected. Mm. Uh, and maybe that's doing Hayley Williams a disservice, but, like, that I was so surprised. But, um, but like, it was just, yeah, there was something so exciting about that first EP. Yeah. And then, like you said, they the second EP... Rose's Lotus Violet Iris came out first, but then, like you said, like it was within within like a week or two that the next track was out, and then the next yeah. track was out, and it's just like we're not. I don't know. I feel like... actually, I wanted more. I was still excited about the first EP when Rose's uh, when the Flower Song came out. <laughs> yeah, I just it kind of came, and I was like, "Well, I'm still kind of listening to the last EP," and and. And I think that's a credit to how good the first EP is. is yeah. That, that I wanted to sit with it more and and mm. take my time a little bit more because it feels yeah. like it feels like so much time has been put into that first EP in terms of like the production and mm. it just feels very well thought out and. I sort of wanted to explore that more. And before I could, yeah. we were already getting new stuff. And then I, and then wasn't I was still like, exploring the, f- and, yeah. then I, and then I was like, well, I'm, I, and then I wasn't liking the new stuff as much as the first stuff. And then it just, yeah, it just didn't. It was bombardment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really, it was like, well, no, cause let me, 
I was still listening to the first one when the second one came out and I was like, well, I'm not ready for the second one yet. I'm still enjoying the first one. And then the album came out and it was like, well, I haven't actually even listened to the second one properly. And now there's a third one. It's yeah. Like, and then and then you get the, well, do, so do I now listen to it all in one go? And then yeah. that didn't really work for me because like you said, it kind of gets a bit long if you listen to it all in one go. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, I, I really like the idea of what she's doing, of, of like splitting it up into these three distinct mm. bits of work. But I think the way it was put out into the world could have been, I don't know, a little bit more. It could have just been more patient. Yeah, There could have been, I mean, maybe it was a budget thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I suppose it's her first solo project and she was going left field for it. Maybe the label didn't want the risk of them dropping this first DP and it being badly received. So with this approach, it was like, yes, it all gets out and at least this way, the money had been spent, it happened, it's done. Do you think a part? Do you think a part of it is to mm. sort of appease those Paramore fans that are because de- I, I I imagine off the bat most of her audience is going to be the Paramore audience that have grown over the years, and mm. the first EP is so not Paramore that maybe they were kind of like, look, but their last album was very not Paramore. Oh, okay. In a more in a very because they've, they've always been kind of emo-y pop punk. Yeah. Their last album was disco pop, pretty much. So this, like, and I think, in all fairness, I think Paramore fans, they're more about what Paramore and Hayley Williams stand for when it comes to looking out for each other and especially... I know Hayley Williams has done a lot of stuff about talking about uh, like feminism and stuff. I think that's what the fan base actually cares more about. So I wouldn't actually be that concerned about what the parent, her fan, the base, fan base is going to think yeah. Because I just wonder because the two and three do get a little bit more, you get the Hayley mm. Williams sound that I'm maybe expecting more. Some of those more mm. sort of belty choruses, etc. But then I think if anyone was worried about that, they'd have released those first. Mm, true. To get the money to then push the the Simmer yeah. album, the EP. But the videos. Videos. For that first EP, again, mind blown. Well, it was the... It was the... Me and you realizing what was happening while we were watching it. Yeah, we watched the first. We watched the video for Simmer, which like, I, and then a Simmer interlude. Yeah, like up, we didn't, didn't think was a perfect video necessarily, but it was. But interesting. It was good. It was interesting, and and it was doing something. It wasn't just Haley Williams standing there. It singing. looked. It yeah. It looked like a video that had a fairly small budget. And people actually thought about how to spend the budget. Yeah. 
rather than a big budget, but with no idea how to spend the budget. Which is low budget creatives as we are at the moment, that we appreciate that, yeah. kind, of, that kind of sentiment. Um, and then similar interlude came up suggested next. And so we hit that. Yeah, we were like, oh, what's this? And then it leads into the Leave It Alone video. And then yeah. that in turn leads in to the Cinnamon video. So that, it was like a little short film of the three. Is that as far as it goes at the moment, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Which was slightly disappointing because we wanted her to just do the we whole EP as a film. Um, but I mean, again, maybe they didn't have the, uh, maybe they didn't have the budget for that. So there is a I've just noticed dead horse the dead horse, here. yeah. But it doesn't Do look we... like it follows on. I would say this does follow on. It follows on. I'm. It it follows on in terms of like style. But I mean, in terms of like carrying on the story, I don't think it does. Um, if it does follow on the story, it's very abstract. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Oh, I don't know why like music videos are expensive yeah. i know that but like how much how much does it cost to do a relatively good hour-long feature film on an indie budget is that a question like, or is that a is that a self-question um right it, it all depends what you're trying to do. I'm obviously. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I think what I'm trying to get at is there's music videos that are made for more money than a lot of indie films. Yeah. Feature length films. Why are no artists making films? Because we know it works. We know it looks cool. Yeah. Oh, the National, for one. I mean, yeah, but it's still not the whole album. True. I mean, that was definitely much better. It was at least... It's still only 20 minutes, though. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying, like, make an album, or make a film of the album. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you would, have, you would have thought, like, someone like the 1975 who cares so much about their visuals would do something yeah. like that. Because it doesn't have to be expensive, either. No. It just has to be a good idea. And, like... I know that obviously Plan B did Ill Manners, which I haven't actually watched personally, but I've heard is very good. But that's I remember you I remember mm, you two doing one back in the day. Yeah. But no one cared about you, but it was like past the point that anyone was caring about what you two were releasing. So I couldn't even tell you what no. album it was for. I mean Lemonade gave it a go. Oh, Beyonce, but that was just a bunch of music videos stuck together with quotes. Which isn't really which, the same. Yeah. Like, why are so many artists now getting so close to, like, Hayley Williams, Foles? Do you think it's a, do you think it's a, a label thing? It must because be. Because ultimately, right, like, the label just cares about Selling, selling albums. albums and 
you know, if an artist comes to them and is like, we want to make a film of the album, mm. the record label is thinking, well, we don't really need that. We just need a, a nice pop video of you, yeah, like, just playing the song. I suppose maybe there's not enough people. Yeah, maybe there's just that... not an audience for that as much as I mean, we actually, want it. Actually, let's have a quick little look here. Oh, hold on. I, we're saying this, but Simmer, 5.2 million views. Interlude, fair enough, 290,000. Leave It Alone, 1.9 million. Leave It Alone Interlude, obviously 182,000, not as much. And then Cinnamon, 2.8 million views. Dead Horse, 4.2 million views. Like, people are watching this shit. Like, Yeah, but are they watching it or are they sticking it on YouTube because they want to listen to the song and they sort of use YouTube as like a way to listen to music? But she also has lyric videos of these songs as well. True. So I don't. And also you can go on YouTube. You could search Hayley William as the topic. Yeah. And it would play her music that way as well. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Like, I think it's a missed opportunity on like for so many. I think I'm just trying to figure out whether you could actually, it could be profitable. Yeah, it's whether, it's whether, but, but I also see, I think part of me goes, oh, I don't think people would really be interested. Hmm. But then on the other hand, I'm not sure that's true because I think if you're a fan of something, even if you're not, you know, looking into things as like deeply as we are. Yeah. If you're a fan, you know, fans of, of artists, you, you can't tell me that if Taylor Swift did a film mm. that accompanied her new album, her fans yeah. wouldn't go mad for it because think of the way they mm. break down her music videos and look for all the clues that she's hidden in. Taylor Swift's one of those artists that is quite good at hiding little messages in her music videos for yeah, the fans. Which is nice. And if if she released a film that was, you know, uh, a one long music video of her album and yeah. the, you know, the fans would go mental for that kind of thing. They would They would lap it up. Yeah, I tell you, like, if Foles released an album that had a film alongside it and you could buy a vinyl package that then had, like, I don't know, a little snippet of the film in it yeah. and a signed poster, I'd probably pay, like, 80 quid for that, maybe more. Yeah, because that's the thing. I think when you were, when we were initially, when you were initially talking about it just then, I was thinking, yeah, but, like, it's only the sort of bands that maybe have slightly more pretentious audience bases like the national or or even falls yeah. to an extent like that would really be into that sort of thing but actually thinking about it no like you like i just said you think about taylor swift fans they would lap that sort of stuff up if beyonce released a film mm. you know i They'd, i mean they did lap it up yeah. people loved or like kanye west someone like kanye west yeah you know what i mean like but I tell you what, I don't think I would buy Petals for Armour on vinyl, personally. Hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way. If she'd done a film for each EP that you could get as part of a vinyl and it had like lots of nice images 
from the video and stuff, I'd probably buy the vinyl. Yeah. Just because I love the the concept of it and the video with the and I it's like the whole um anima thing with Tom yeah. York. I've watched it more than I've probably listened to the album mm. just because it's so beautiful yeah. to watch with the audio, like the dawn chorus part and that. It's so gorgeous and well matched with the song. Yeah. I would rather it's a better experience. Obviously, if I'm out and about, I'm listening to it on Spotify. Yeah. Don't care about the yeah, video. Yeah. But it's a better experience when all of your senses are being stimulated. And by that it. was really interesting as well because it was released on Netflix. So it felt like, mm. and it was Paul Thomas Anderson directing it. So, like a, you know, proper, yeah. uh, you know, big filmmaker. Um, I mean, I know he's worked with Radiohead before, so it wasn't particularly surprising mm. that he was doing it. But, um, just like that felt like maybe the start of something like they were, you know, that happened and you think, Oh, so is this going to now become a thing? And then no one's done it since. Yeah. Admittedly, when did that come out last year? So it hasn't been long, but actually, and someone else who disappoints me when it comes to music and film, Woodkid, that man is a fantastic because he's a cinematographer or director or something isn't he's he a, as well yeah and a graphic designer yeah. and a musician yeah like he has a fantastic brain for melding ideas together and i mean to be honest so do a lot of creators and you look at all of the music videos that he makes you look at They're the music fantastic. video for goliath which is the new track oh, that's come out which i can't stop listening so to good that music video is amazing oh the music video is gorgeous um so intense and like he's, yeah imagine if he made a film from an album and i th- i think i need to be careful here to say that i don't mean make it a film where there's like the music's in the background i mean like a music video that goes on for like the tom york anima yeah th- yeah but just the whole album because yeah. It would be an. It's all. It'd almost be a new medium, really. Yeah, because it's not a musical. It's not a, f- a music video. A music video. It's not. It, it. It's not a live video. It, like it is a film. I think. Like it's a music th- film. I think the national. So the national. I am easy to find. And Tom York's Anima. Those two short films. They're the closest. They're the closest got. we've got, and, and and we basically are saying do that but for an hour and a half, like do that for the whole album. And you could, and actually as well, it also helps. I think watching the nationals short film Mm. made me understand the record more. Yeah. You know what I mean? It it like fed into the, it, it, it adds longevity to an album. I think. Yeah. If you're able to do it well, like the National did, if you can, if you can actually visually get across what the album means and actually make it more beautiful, you're actually going to instill the album into your fans' lives more. You're going to actually make them like hold it closer and carry on with it. Because also, imagine if Haley Williams had done this for. Her, al- her album and her first solo album, right? 
um, because, and, and again, it's probably unfair, but because she's in Paramore, I think it's easy to be a bit, mm. a little bit snooty towards yeah. her, maybe like before we heard the music, like I don't really yeah. care about a Paramore solo record. Oh, it's like if a member of Greendale Blink-182 was to release a solo yeah. record, I'd be like, oh, cool, it's just going to be the same. Um, and if she'd... Imagine if she'd done a film and she would have sort of been, to our knowledge anyway, like the first to really do it. Especially in the mainstream yeah. sort of... It would have been like... Thing. That would have completely elevated her to a whole would, another level. Yeah. It, Whatever project she did after, be making a killing. It would be the respect that she would get, not only from her fans who were going to follow mm. her anyway and they would love to, to see that, but also from yeah. the people that, you know, like us, you know, um, you know that well, your, you your pitchforks, actually... your needle drops, who yeah. would maybe a little be like a little bit more snooty towards the idea of a Paramore solo record. That it would just change it all up a bit, yeah. Because then, like, like you said, someone like Needle Drop, you then give him the album to review, and it's like, but there is a whole film, yeah. Do I now review that? And then also, if you've put in that amount of time to actually make a film to go along with an album, not only could you then have it preview in cinemas with the album release yeah. and stuff like that, you could also look at doing a book whether it be a picture book or something that's a more like a graphic magazine yeah that kind of tells you more about the not necessarily the world of it but the the actual the emotion that's gone into it almost like snippets of her diary from when she was writing it and things to just like flesh it out more. do you remember then, do you remember when we talked about childish gambinos because of the internet and he'd written a, yeah. a scream like a feature-length screenplay that went yeah. along with the thing, and it, and we we said like, why not make it? Because that would be yeah. cool. Um, you went to the effort of a screenplay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think like, and again, I think it's it's again it's um it's it's unfair in a way because it is it is being snobby about certain types of music, and I don't think you know mm. all musicians are artists, and you know, so you can't yeah. really be snobby, but. Um, but it would have, I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it in that snobby way, or I'm not trying to mean it in that snobby way, but it, it would, I think with this piece of work, Petals for Armour, Hayley Williams has really shown herself to be a really credible artist. Yeah. Um, and again, slightly unfair because Paramore are hugely successful have a lot of fans so you can't say they Mm. she wasn't an artist before but like in terms of just like she's proven that she can kind of do any form of music if she wants to and if she had done a and and we were already impressed by her doing you know the fact that she's done three music videos that interlink with each other is impressive in itself and yeah for a first project and you know it's like she's doing something different here and it just imagine if she'd have just pushed it that little bit further, and imagine maybe the how budget much of a didn't kick allow. In the ass that would have been. Yeah, I, I, I imagine it's mostly now to a budgetary thing. Yeah, but, but imagine if, how much of a kick up the ass that would have been for people like 
like Radiohead and all of these, and even the national people who have like tried to push the boundaries a bit. Yeah. But to then have someone who is, I mean, we're doing it through this podcast, like she's just the singer from Paramore. Yeah. This pop punk band. If she came along and actually did something, it's so like, I mean, she already has done something very artistically yeah. beautiful, but she could actually have done a whole film. It would have been a massive kick up the ass. And also to have a, a woman in the music industry yeah. do that as well. It'd be like, brilliant. That's what I like to see. I think. But maybe she'll do but, that next but time. But also, I think, like, going back to what what she has done instead of like what she could have done i think um like she has shown herself to be like i'm really excited to see what she does next now yeah and i will when she tours i am tempted to go see her as well now like i would never go to a paramore gig no but i'd be tempted to go to a heli williams gig yeah i think she's really like this this project is really like positive it's also um it's quite a personal album like album music as well like she talks a lot about herself and i think she was going through quite a lot of struggles Mm. that prompted sort of making this and i don't i think she's doing a lot of good in terms of like she's really surprised me Everyone, I yeah. think. The whole industry. Yeah. And especially, like, the album title, Pales for Armour, really is a it's a great name for this project as her first solo venture. Just, like, because she is so bare for this album. Yeah. She's come out being supported by a band this whole time. And... To then come out and release this honest, open heartfelt artsy completely left field project she might as well be wearing petals for armor i mean and and literally like it's an exposing record but but it it, that's reflected in the in the videos as well because she's literally exposed in a lot of the videos like she's she's pretty much naked and she's cocooning herself and then breaking out and yeah dancing like it's a very fulfilling record yeah i don't really have much more i can add to it i'm actually now we're at the end of this episode i actually need to listen to this again because i think i actually enjoyed it more than i thought i did yeah yeah i i think it's um i think i still there's still been a slight Oh, this is still Haley Williams from Paramore at the back of my head the whole time. I think that's that's what's been most interesting for me in this conversation is I found myself having to be like uh qualify everything when I cuz cuz I I don't want it to be like ah oh, she's just Haley Williams from Paramore cuz I think that's such a yeah. that's such that's doing her such a disservice and that's mm. um and you've got to like respect the fact that Paramore are a massive band, yeah. and just because uh, it do- they don't do anything for me doesn't mean they're yeah. not like 
artistically yeah. valid. You know what I mean? And th- she's done a better job of separating herself from Paramore than Tom York did from Radiohead. Yeah, because you listen to a Tom York record and it sounds... It's a Radiohead it's album. It's a Radiohead album, except Johnny Greenwood's not there to yeah. do his thing. It's just like, yeah, I think... I think I've unfairly sort of... I mean, I knew that when I listened to the first track because you said it was Hayley Williams and I went, oh. Oh. Yeah. And you played it to me and that's when I was like, oh, oh. actually, it's, <laughs> it's really good. And it's got 14 million streams on Spotify. So that... That's good. That's, you know. Um, yeah, I just think... I feel like maybe some of our listeners, you know, might even... Do it when, have a kind of prejudice you know, to do it. Do it when 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 they see this episode come up, or when we said last week. Um, I mean, I think we've got quite an interesting range of people because of the uh, listening to us because of the different albums we've covered. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it might be easy to be like, oh, why are they doing? Hey, like, what's? Yeah. Because I reckon there's even a lot of Taylor Swift fans and like pop artist fans that wouldn't like Paramore. Yeah. But would love this record. Yeah. But there's a lot of people, I think even someone who's really into, say, Swans and um, stuff like Death Grips could actually get on board with this album. The, produ- the production the production alone yeah. is it's so brilliantly produced, Bought I out. think. Well done, yeah. Um, and, and, and it's really nice as well because I can say you need to listen to Simmer first to really get you into it. And they clearly knew that when they were making it because Simmer is right there. First track, first single they released. But I think what I like about this as well is I think I would suggest, actually, there's no way to really suggest listening to this because I'm part of me wants to say, go watch the vi- videos first. But then she's also got a load of lyric videos that make you feel really like she's just such a sweet person in the lyric videos and you get an insight into her. So like you've got so much to, so many different ways to approach it. Yeah, You can listen to it as a whole album. You can listen to it as individual EPs or just the singles, just the videos. Basically, just approach it any way you like. You're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we will leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you hear, then uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're on. Uh, follow us on our social media channels, which are in the description of this podcast. And join us next time. And we will be talking about George. Jack Garrett's Love, Death and Dancing. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Bye.